0: How many are thankful for everything in your body? How many are thankful that it's all working? How many are, well, <laughs> when it's not working, how many know we go see somebody to help us get it back working? Amen. We all want everything in our body to function as it was designed to function. So, look at that is the picture that God gave to us as the church that we are body, we are organs, we are tendons, we are ligaments. We're, we're somewhere I fit in the body of Christ, to cause it to be fully functional and healthy. But if I step out, and that's what's happening today. And I said, I love everybody watching us online. We're not going to quit streaming. We'll keep streaming and help. We're not going on vacation. I love watching and being a God and all that stuff. But as, as, as watching is not connecting. And so we, we, we've taken all these uh, uh, alternatives to assembling. Amen? And so the only way the body can function in fullness is if I assemble. And so today, because we have options in doing other things, you have to go back to the basics of understanding. Let's get it right and let's stay focused on God's purpose and quit looking for alternatives to be what we're called to be. I'll amen myself this morning. Praise the Lord. So what's it? So Paul gives us this image that we looked at. We're a body. We're not a machine. We're not a building. We're not an institution. We're not a business. We're a body. Not someday. Not when we get our act together. Not when we're all 100% faithful and we become a body. Just the opposite, really. We are now the we are now the body of Christ by virtue of our baptism into Christ. We are breathing, living, a breathing, living body, engaging the world as the embodiment of God's grace in the world. And we are continuing the mission of God in the earth through Christ. Go with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter five, and I want you to look with me beginning at verse eighteen, and it says this: Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So the ministry of reconciliation that God is bringing the world into relationship with Himself, into a oneness of relationship with Himself. Verse nineteen. Watch this. That God, that is, that God was what? In Christ. That God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself and not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading how? Through us, we (laughs) implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God for he himself made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him so God was in Christ in the earth but he is now in us as the body of Christ in the earth and this same ministry is going out through our lives amen But what we're fighting against is that as a body, what we saw even in our own personal body and all the different parts and members and and organs, the complexity of this body is all come together just to be one body. No individual member, organ or anything else has its own identity. It isn't striving, you know, to, to be, you know, my forearm isn't striving to be the best forearm it can be. We're not striving to be the best me we can be. Amen, Pastor. This is so good this morning. I'm telling you what. Man, I just hope you keep preaching like this. This It's really helping me. Amen. But you live in a world that's trying to make you. Look look at all the different things. Look at all the. When when there was Barnes and Noble and all that stuff. You know what we had out there? A whole section on self-help. Your self doesn't need any help. It's messed up all on its own. You need to be saved from yourself. You are your biggest problem. Amen. Amen. You can't can't blame you on the devil. The devil made me do it. No, that was all you. All you. Amen. So in that, God delivers us from ourselves. We are saved from ourselves. Are you doing all right? So I don't need to make myself better. I need to find out who I am once I die and I'm now a new creature in Christ Jesus. And I live my new life according to his life that's now on the inside of me. So look at this. Paul declares to the church at Corinth and to all of his epistles to remember who you are. Act and live and breathe like a body. What do you do? Care for the body. Love the body. Isn't that amazing what James says? We look in the mirror and say, dude, you look awesome this morning. But you look in the mirror and you really know who you are. And then we walk away and we forget who we are. And we act like we're somebody else deceiving ourselves. So watch that. Care for the body. Love the body. Really live in your body. Treat the body with respect it deserves. And all of its members. All with the honor they deserve. Amen. The same way Paul is saying. With the same way you take care of yourself. Think about the body of Christ in the same measure. Amen. Nothing in your body is functioning to see what the rest of the body can do for it. People go, Well, what does it, what, I want to know what can the church do for me? What can you provide for me? Uh, Actually, we don't provide for you. You plug in and help us be whole. Amen. Amen. But see, you're raised up, you live in a consumer society. We judge the, the, our, our GDP, our gross national our, our production and how our economy is going by how much we're consuming. Are we good consumers? Amen. I go out and Mike was teaching me about other things. Pastor, you just shop and do all this stuff. I said, yes, I like to stimulate the economy. <laughs> Amen. And so, But that's the way we're supposed to be. When you come in, I, I want to stimulate. I want to be a provider. I want to be a helper. I want to be a supplier. I don't want to be a taker. Because if everybody becomes a taker, pretty soon there's nothing to take. I forget who it was. I think it was Tocqueville said, as soon as a nation and a people in a nation find out that they can vote themselves benefits out of the government's treasures, the nation will be destroyed. Because you can't tax somebody else for your wants and desires. You can't give yourself Free benefits out of something. Everybody can't be taking something out and not putting anything in. That isn't the way health is produced. Can you say amen? Amen. So watch out. But then we need to understand, now that we know we're a body, but we are a body that's supposed to be endued with power. And that's why we're teaching these lessons on the gifts and ministries of God in our life. As born-again believers, we are members of His body. But we were never meant to live our life in Christ by our own strength and our power. If you're living your Christian life and you're trying to figure out how to do it, you are saved by His grace. You weren't able to save yourself. God graced you. He brought His power to bear on your life at the point of your need. And everything God does in your life from this moment on, once you accept Him, is by the power of His grace working in your life. He equips you and gifts you to be what He called you to be. Amen. He puts His life in you. God formed man. He made you a vessel. You were formed to be filled with the life of God. And it's His life that defines your life. Not you defining your own life. Amen. When I go, wait a minute. I am who He says He am. I am. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not be me. I walk in favor with God. I have a covenant with God. I know who I am. I have a new identity. The old man has died. I'm raised up a new man in him. Glory to God. Amen. So his life is the life of his body. And in our life is in him. No organ in your body draws life from itself. Nothing in your body, no organ in your body draws life from itself. It's fed and nurtured by the whole body nor does it function for itself. It draws life from the body and functions for the health of the body as a whole. When Christians go, wait a minute, my purpose is to draw my life from being connected to the body and for the body to be strengthened and edified by the function that I bring to it. Amen. Luke 24, Jesus said this, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem, till you be endued with power from where? So I said, wait a minute. So Jesus is leaving. His last commission to the disciples is going to all the world and preach the gospel. Look, He said, don't do it in your own power. I'm not asking you to do anything in your own strength. You can't do what I'm asking you to do in your own strength. So this is what's going to happen. I'm going to go to the Father. He's made the promise that when I defeat hell, death, hell, and the grave, and I'm raised up in the power of the resurrection, then I'm going to be seated by His right hand, and He's made a promise that when I'm seated there, He's going to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. So I'm going to go to heaven and release the promise of power coming upon your life from on high. Oh, my God. Well, I don't know if I want any of that. I'd rather do this on my own. Amen. In Acts one eight, Jesus told the disciples again, "But you shall receive power after somebody say after the Holy Ghost is what come upon." Now, watch. So keep this in mind. He didn't say in you. He said upon. You. The moment you're saved, God formed you to be filled. He breathes His life back into you. You're cleansed by the blood. You're now qualified to be filled with His life. He breathes His life into you. And you become a living soul alive unto God. So you have the life of the God in you, but He says, just having my life in you is enough. I'm gonna place my anointing and my power upon you. You're gonna be clothed, you're gonna be clothed with the Holy Ghost and with power. You're gonna have my anointing upon you. So what I ask you to do, you don't have to worry whether you have the ability to do it. I've already put the power on you to enable you to do it. Amen, I almost ripped all my buttons off getting so excited, amen. Watch this. So the word endued there, I put it in your Bible. So so he goes on, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. People say, I'd be a witness, I just don't know how. That's you in your power. That's you looking at your strength, your ability. God doesn't ask you to do anything as you. He asks you to do it as you in Him, and Him in you. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. So the word endued there is the Greek word enduo. Look what it means. It says, in the sense of sinking into a garment. So what it means, and when it comes to the anointing, same thing. When they would anoint you, they would pour the oil on the head of the priest, and it would flow down his head and onto his garment, and sink in, and, and, and just soak into your garment. You're supposed to be saturated and soaked in the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. But it literally means to clothe with. To clothe with power. The word power there is dunamis. Look what it says. It means force. Literally or figuratively. Specifically, miraculous power. Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell them you got some power. Something would happen if we ever believed what God said. See, we say amen, but amen is supposed to mean so be it. So when I say amen, I'm saying so be it in my life. I'm clothed with that. I believe that. And, and you begin to believe it, and then you begin to walk in that. Are you doing all right? It also means... By implication, a miracle itself. It means ability and abundance. It means mightily. It means a worker of miracles. Amen. God said it like this. God said, my people are good for signs, wonders, and miracles. Yeah. Holy to God. Let's see what's happened today. We, we've talked ourselves out of what God says we have and who we are. And so we've become great organizations and great institutions with great social programs and help areas and classes and everything else, but no power. The Apostle Paul said this to the church at Corinth. He says, there are many people there who don't like me, but when I come, I'm not going to know their words. I want to know their power. Amen. Jesus brought the demonstration of the power of God. Last week we gave you the widow with the cruse of oil and the little flower and God's supernatural provision from an unexpected source. And so the man of God came and said, hey, this is what you're going to do. You're, you're going to bring me a drink of water, then you're going to cook me a cake first. And I declare to you the flower and the oil will not run out until it rains again upon the earth. And so you have to believe that God is still able to do miracles in our lives. Amen. And he's able to do them through you because every one of you is a functioning member of the body of Christ. The other thing we've done is that we have relegated or delegated all this to a ministry class. Amen. I'm not your Holy Ghost bellhop. I'm not here to go get room service and bring it to you. That's not the job of the ministry. The gift of the ministry, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, is to equip you to do. God gave gifts unto men. God gave gifts to men and then gave those men as gifts to you to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Your hands are for laying on sick people. Because you've received dunamis, miraculous power. You can pray for the sick. The Bible just says the prayer of faith will save them. Everybody can pray the prayer of faith. Amen. That's why Jesus said these signs will follow the elite ministry class. Only they will operate in power. Only they will have the anointing. Only they will be able to prophesy. Only they will have words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discerning of spirit, faith, miracle, healing. No. No. But see, what happened is, when we come out of the world, we have to give up all of our idols and our stars. So when we come into the church, we want to have what we gave up in the world, so we make ministry superstars. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching real good. Almost all of you, if you've been saved pretty long, you have a superstar that you follow and you believe everything they say. Glory to God. Amen. But in that, when I delegate that to somebody else, I give up my power. I give up my position. I give up my purpose. Amen. There's nothing greater than when the body of Christ, everybody believes that they can function and be what God called them to be. Is this helping you this morning? Amen. I know it's not popular, but I never have been popular. Praise the Lord. So, watch it. But it also means power, strength, and I like this word. It means violence. Violence. How many wish the devil would just play nice? But he's not a nice devil. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And you don't go into warfare and be nice. You go into warfare and you exercise power. Jesus said the kingdom of God suffers vi- from the time of John the Baptist until now. The kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. That word violence there is the same word dunamis. So He said well, you, have the, you have the power and the authority to walk in. Jesus said like this. I give, you behold, I give you power and authority over all the power of the enemy. So the power and authority you have is to exercise authority over a contrary power. Amen. Look at the next page of your outline. So the commission of the Lord was to wait until you were clothed with the power of God. And then to be demonstrators of His power working in and through our lives to the world around us. Today though we've settled for programs and activities in place of the demonstration of the power of His Spirit working in us and flowing through us by faith. And faith comes by hearing, so it must be taught. People never have faith for anything they have not heard. Romans 10 says, how shall they believe on Him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And so you have to preach the gospel. So if our churches are not preaching on the power of God, if we're not preaching on the gift of the Spirit, then nobody has faith for it because they've never heard it to have faith. Amen. So so you have to preach the Word. You have to declare the whole counsel of God. We're supposed to be walking in all the Word, not just our favorite words. Amen. (laughs) So think about it. God's power never fails. Miracles are something only God can do, and He has done, and He still does miracles. But obedience to God allows us to see His miraculous provision And care. Last week we gave you the widow woman. She's there, and she's and and she's collecting for her son and her. They just have enough for them to eat. Eat one more little cake together, and then they're going to die. And the prophet says, "Hey, bring me one first, and then cook one for you, and then cook one for your son." And so she had to her obedience. She had to get over that, just as Eli talked about in the offerings. You have to get over that. You can't look at your supply. You have to believe in the supplier. I have to believe that God is my source, and He will do it. And so she does that, and by the word of the Lord, she receives supernatural provision. But we have to be at that place where we believe it. Now let me just say this. Sometimes people um, don't like to operate in the gift of the Spirit, especially churches, because nobody likes to explain God. It's just like tongue. People say, I don't understand tongues. Good. People say, well, if I was God, I'd do it a different way. Well, next time you create a universe and some people to live on a planet that you created out of nothing, we'll let you do it your way. Amen? Next time you can plant your son in the womb of a woman by a word from the Holy Spirit and that word you spoke becomes life that redeems the world, we'll listen to what you have to say. We'll do it your way. Amen? Amen? But see, we don't like tongues because we don't understand tongues. And God says, I love doing stuff you don't understand. Because I'm bigger than your understanding. I'm like this. I need a God who's bigger than words. I need a God who's bigger than what's between my ears. I've looked in there a couple of times. It scares me. What, 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 if, if your God can only be as big as what you can understand. That's not big enough to deliver you, save you. I I need a God that's beyond. See, it's it's an amazing fact that I can contain eternity in this body. That an eternal God can live in me and all of His fullness can be in us. But I cannot contain Him in my mind. That's why God never talks to your head. He's looked in there too. He says there's some places even I won't go. So what I will do is I will speak to your spirit. I'll put my word in your spirit. And from your spirit, there will be a renewal that will come to your mind. And out of that new understanding that comes up, out of your spirit, you'll begin to understand my ways. Are you doing all right? Amen. So watch what he said. So God's power never fails. Think about this. Psalm 74, 77 says this. But let me go back to that. One reason we walk in power in that and we believe God is so that other people will come to know him and trust him. Everything Jesus did in signs, wonders, and miracles wasn't just to show that he could do stuff. It was so that people would believe in God. Amen. The widow woman that God sent to her was a woman who worshipped Baal. And yet God sends a prophet to a woman who doesn't even believe in him or worship him and reveals himself to her, and she becomes a believer in the one true God. That's why she said, the God whom you serve to Elijah. The God whom you serve, not the God whom I serve, the God whom you serve. Well, the God whom he served showed up in her life. And she became a believer in the God whom he served. And so God will do things to your life. And so there's times like I shared last week when I prayed for the young lady at Home Depot and God healed her hand and then would go for somebody else. Said, well, well, I've been praying and, <coughs> and I haven't received. Re-. So somebody else didn't re- receive or somebody else. Why didn't God heal everybody just like that? I don't know. When you get to heaven, you can ask him, but you won't have any question. I was like, everybody said, when I get to heaven, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm gonna ask the first person I'm going to talk. No, the Bible says when you are there, you will know as you are known immediately you'll know here we know in part but then we will know completely what you just you're gonna go i get it <laughs> it'll just be that i got it okay i understand and so how many of you have ever had god do something in your life and you couldn't figure it out but down the road you okay now i understand why he had to take me there to get me here how many know joseph didn't understand what he was going through being rejected by his family, being beat up, being thrown into a pit, being sold into slavery, being, being uh, lied on by Potiphar's wife, being thrown into jail again, and then all that stuff, to end up at the palace. But when you get to the palace and you look back, you understand, oh, I get it. He had to take me there in order to get me here. And so we don't like having to explain all the things we don't understand. Well, I don't believe in healing because I pray for somebody once I got it, I pray for somebody else and they didn't get it, so I'm confused. It's not about how that works. It's a matter of just keep praying for people. Keep praying for people. Keep praying for people. Believe the word only. That's why you hear me say I wear this little bracelet. I have gone through bazillions over about the last twelve years. What does the word say? That's all I care about. I don't care about your experience. I don't care about anybody's opinion. I don't care about. It. I stand on the word of God and the word of God only. Amen. And so when you live by the word, it changes everything. Psalm 74 says this. So we, when others see God's power in our lives, we, it's so that they may come to put their faith in God as we do. Psalm 77, 14 says, you are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. God makes himself known through our lives. I love our friend Sean Smith, and he teaches on prophetic evangelism and that. And uh, so, (laughs) I don't want to get distracted, but he does great teaching on walking in the supernatural and believing God for the power of God on our life, but using that to bring people to Christ for supernatural evangelism. What we do, though, is we've turned it into a Christian amusement park. We like to go to conference where we get all the stuff. I want to go, I need a word, I need a word, I need this, I need that, I need that. The best way to receive from God is to start giving things to others. The best way to live healthy is to start praying for other people to be healed. The best way to be prosperous is to give so others might be blessed. The best way to receive is to give. Amen. Amen. Keeps getting quiet in here, so I must be doing good. Hallelujah! So watch that Through gifts and ministries of the Holy Spirit and the graces of God, we are equipped to fit and to function together. Which is why it's so important for us to, to study the Word of God and to understand it and apply it to our life. And let me say this. Everybody said, Pastor, you just teach us too much. No, I don't teach you too much. You just become too lazy. You live in a world that is dumbing you down. You've been You've been Twitterized. I'd go to church, but I only want a 144-character sermon. I, d- I just want a tweet message. Just tweet me something. Just give me a sound bite. Well, sound bites won't produce deliverance in your life. Amen. You, 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 need, you need some knowledge. Amen. I'm proud of our son, our, our, our second-oldest son, Austin, turned 40 this year and uh, super excited. He's going to be our... Our most educated child in that. We're just super proud of what he's doing and, uh, in his, in his uh, career. And he started this. He flew out Wednesday. He was here with us Thursday. He spent a day with But he's down to Concordia University pursuing his Ph.D. I'm excited. I'm, I'm just blessed. Amen. I have my Ph.D. Absolutely. I'm past having doubts. Amen. And, but, but he's actually going for one that he has to study for. And but he, So he has his master's degree, his bachelor's and his master's, and he's a family life counselor and that, has his own practice and stuff. But he's going for his Ph.D. in that same field in that. And, uh, but in that, he's going to be another three or four years of education on top of all the education he's already had to achieve that goal. And those classes aren't just going to be little classes that he has to go to. Cole just became a paramedic in doing that while he was being a plastering contractor and doing all that. Had to do classes, but in order to achieve the goal of what he wanted to become to go the next level, he had to put in a lot of study, take a lot of classes to reach the goal. If you want to be a Christian, you want to walk in who God said you are and walk in the fullness of who you are in Christ, you're going to have to go after something more than just soundbite Christianity. And you're going to have to become a student of the Word. You have to get the. Man, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to bring a notepad. I know pastor has notes, but I'm bringing my own notepad. Because somewhere today, God's going to tell me something. Something's going to be said that's going to help me on my journey of maturity of becoming who I'm supposed to be in Christ. So I want to get that. Are you with me this morning? Amen. So let me try to close this up this morning. The church works when it operates by the Word of God, not the ideas of man. This is a spiritual life and a walk, not something we do in the natural or by our own ability. And it takes a renewing of the way we think and the way we act. We must learn and purpose to be led by the Spirit and not to walk in and to walk in the Spirit. Paul says this in Galatians 5:16 there in your outline. I say then walk in the Spirit. Think about that. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill The lust of the flesh. Romans 8.1 There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. How many like me have to fight that battle every day? My flesh loves ice cream. My flesh loves everything that's not good for it. And most of the time it wins the battle. I say yes, I give in to Oreos and milk. (laughs) Amen. So we all fight in that battle, but then something happened and we just say yes to that. How many know your flesh doesn't like to pray? Your flesh doesn't want to spend time in God's Word. Your flesh doesn't want to be in church. Your flesh doesn't want to study. Nothing about your flesh wants to do the things that produce the life of the Spirit in your life. Romans eight fourteen says, watch this. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So in order to be led by Him, that means He's leading and I am... I'm not telling Him what I want to do and asking Him to bless it. I'm not coming up with my own plan. If He's the leader... I'm the follower. How many know the leader determines the direction you go in? I can't go in my direction and then ask God if that's okay. Hallelujah. See, Paul continually reaffirmed this truth in his letters to the churches. This is new life we have received as a spiritual life. And we must intentionally engage with God and others by His Spirit who now lives in us. Some people think the gifts of the Spirit are given so they can be seen being used by God. The gifts of the Spirit are not given so we can be seen and admired by men. Many people go out, well, I want to prophesy, I want to do this. And they think people will think they're spiritual. No, you're just a vessel. Amen. Being used by God doesn't make you spiritual. Walking in the Spirit and walking in the renewal of your life makes you spiritual. Amen. Watch this. But we don't do it so we can be seen and admired by men, but so he can be seen. Jesus said this, if you've seen me, you've seen who? So anytime God works through on our life, it's not so we can be seen, but so he can be seen. That is our goal. So when we operate in the gifts of the Spirit, people are supposed to be able to see God the Father, not us. Go with me in your Bible to uh, Romans chapter 12. and I'm going to close with this this morning, but I want to read... We're going to read this out of the Message Bible this morning. And uh, I want you to see, we'll read verse 1 all the way down through verse 8. But I want you to hear it out of the Message Bible. So this starts with, I beseech you therefore in in the King James, New King James, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. But I think they can put it up here. Do you guys have it? Now watch this. This is so good. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you as the best thing you can do for Him. Watch this. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Wow. Instead, fix your attention on God. Watch this. You'll be changed how? From the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to to it. Unlike culture around you, watch this, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. How many know when when the little child says, mine, 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 me, me, me? That's a sign of immaturity. Amen? So when we live in a culture that always focuses on me, and I'm focused on me and mine, don't let the culture bring you down to its level of immaturity. Watch. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So good. Verse 3. I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me, especially if I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace, it's important that you do not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what He does for us, not but by what we are and what we do for Him. How I many know it's just all about Him? That's what Paul's trying to get us to do. Now look at what verses 4 through 6 says. In this way, we are like various parts of the human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of what? His body. But as a chopped off finger or as a cut off toe wouldn't amount to much. Would we? No. So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts, In Christ's body. Let's just go ahead and be. What we're made to be. Without enviously or pridefully. Comparing ourselves with each other. Or trying to be something. We are not. I like it. If you preach. Just preach God's message. Nothing else. If you help. Just help. Don't take over. If you teach. Stick to your teaching. If you give. Encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. Amen. Isn't that a great view of those amazing passages that we know? So what I want you to see, go to the last page of your outline as I'm closing this morning. The worship team can come back. And I won't go through all the gifts. I gave you the definition of all the gifts there. But at the bottom of the page, there on the last year page, it says, there are also the nine fruits of the Spirit. And in the fruit of the Spirit is what God does on the inside of it. Now think about this. The nine gifts of God, or the seven gifts of God in Romans chapter 12 that we just read out of the Message Bible, those gifts are there working in us. And they are the functional personality gifts of God by the Father to each and every individual. Every one of us operates in one of those seven functions that's on your last page there. Whether it's prophecy, ministry, teaching, exhorting, giving to rule or to have mercy. And so we all have that. That's where we function in the body according to our personality, or character, how God made us to fit into the body of Christ. But the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control, that's the nature of God on the inside of us. And that's where I learned in walking with the Spirit, I begin to agree with that. People say, well, I just don't have any love. I just don't have any joy. No, you have God's love, God's joy, God's peace, God's long suffering, God's kindness, God's goodness on the inside of you. Can you say amen? amen? And the best part of that, the last of the fruit of the Spirit is self control. That means I can control myself. Amen? You have the ability on, people say, I just can't help myself. That's what I say when I eat ice cream. I just can't help myself. The reality is I'm helping myself all I want. Amen? So I have self-control. I just need to exercise it. But but it's, it's in me, but do I draw on it? Amen? Now I want to close with this. We have to know the difference between fruit and gifts in your walk with God. I have to know the difference. Fruit is for you. For you. Fruit's for you. And denotes personal growth and spiritual maturity. Gifts are for ministry and serving others. So while you're growing personally and maturing, God can still, by the anointing, work through your life to minister to others. You don't have to grow and become perfect before God can use you. But you have to be striving for perfection. That's why Paul said in Philippians 3, he says, I don't count myself to have arrived. I keep pressing for that mark, for the prize. But at the same time, he's ministering and serving and writing two-thirds of the New Testament. While he's allowing God to do the perfecting work inside of him. Amen? And so gifts are for ministry and serving others. An easier way to say it is fruit is for me and gifts are for you. The fruit of the Spirit is for me, but the gifts of the Spirit are for you. Or in other words, God works in me for me, but he works through me for you. And I pray that you could get this. That you would see that God is always working. Listen, I think Paul said in Philippians, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. So I just agree that he's working in me. But then also, while he's working in me, he also needs to work through me. Because there's people he wants to reach through you. And if he has to wait for you to get perfect, he'll never be able to reach anybody. So he works through us while he's working in us. Amen? And that's why when you understand the process, you don't get frustrated. Because you'll look at somebody and God will use them to do something. And then the next time you see them, they're stupid. (laughs) And you go, how could God use that guy? Because we're all a work in progress. But while we're in the process, we allow God to use us as well. Amen. That's what I said. You hang around me long enough and I'll do things that surprise you. Yeah, but here's this: I just know I'm a work in progress, but I also believe that God wants to use me, and so I'll just be crazy for Him. How many were crazy before He got saved? How many did really stupid stuff before He got saved? Then why are you so dignified in your walk with God? Just get saved and be that crazy person for God. Come on, if I was crazy, if if, if I did all that, all that. Why not just do that for God? So I just decided to be sanctified crazy. Amen. I'll give it to God. That boldness. I I won't tell all the stories we did. So why? As believers, as disciples, as followers of Christ and as members of his body, we will never fully live the life he has for us without a desire to know. I want each of you to hear this. I'm preaching to you, but you will never go further in God than your desire to know. It's your desire. All that is ours in Christ and past a personal hunger to go after it and to see His Word come to pass in my life. We must each have the desire to pursue life in the Spirit. I wrote this down in my notes. You never possess what you do not pursue. My son could desire to have his Ph.D., but desire won't produce it. He has to pursue what he desires. So you have to have, that's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, he says desire spiritual gifts at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, and then he starts chapter 14, says pursue spiritual gifts. So stir up the desire and then decide to pursue, to go after Everything you have in your life today in the natural is what you've pursued. It's what you've gone after. It works the same in God. Now just have a holy desire and a holy pursuit. Would you stand with me this morning? And I'll say this because somebody needs to hear it this morning. When I got saved at 25... I'd failed at everything in life. And the heartbreak of my life was that I grew up in a broken home. My mom and my dad divorced when I was two. And I never really had, growing up, a relationship with my father. I had a good stepfather, a good provider, but we never had a father-son relationship in the type of way that most of us desire to have. So I would go out and find surrogate older men to fill voids in my life that I didn't get from a father. So when I grew up and got married, I never wanted my children to experience the pain that I had in life. But the problem was I wasn't living the kind of life that produced that lifestyle and protected against that. So my son, Sean, was born in 1976. By November of 1978, his mom and I were divorced and separated. What I never wanted to happen in his life, I had sown the seeds to come to pass. So I was devastated because to me, I'd lost everything. I'd lost my life, my marriage, my son, everything. So when I left Montana and came back to California, In 1978 the weekend before Thanksgiving I had nothing had a bag of clothes ten dollars in my pocket nothing I have a career I'm a journeyman cement finishing not that I can't do things I just have never pursued what I know I should be pursuing when I was 18 I answered an altar call when my grandpa preached and walked up to the altar I came and had an encounter with God, but I never gave my life to God. I mean, you know what I'm saying. And so for the next seven years, I just kept being stupid. Because I went home after that altar call, rolled another joint, stood on the porch, said, man, this is cool. I got God and my life. Well, I never changed. I never gave my life to Him. I had an encounter and experience, but I never gave my life to Him. So seven years later, here I am a complete failure. So December 13th of 1978, I went into a prayer room at our home church and I gave my life to Christ. I said, Father, from this day on, I will live for you the rest of my life. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll be whatever you ask me to be. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. And I'll say whatever you give me to say. I will live for you the rest of my life. And I've lived for God like that now for the last 45 years and i found out that god is faithful but the other thing i found out that he is a god of forgiveness and restoration and i had to walk through a season of 18 years of being separated from my son but i had to believe that god's a god of forgiveness and restoration but yet through the whole process, without giving you the whole testimony, but through the whole process of that, I just kept pursuing God and pursuing God and pursuing God and following His call for my life that believe that if I would follow Him, He would take care of everything in my life. I didn't have to try to figure out how to get my son back, how to make up for my failure, how to do this. I didn't have to figure out how to do God's job in my life. I just trusted Him and I kept pursuing Him. And so then... In February of 1987, when we were pastoring in Bieber, two years before we came here, I'm in a Sunday morning worship service, and the Spirit of God speaks to my heart and says, This today I have restored your son to you. I wrote it down in my Bible. I have that Bible up in my office. Today, God restored my son Sean to me, February 1987. February 1997 in our old sanctuary across the parking lot here. My son was in that service and gave his life to God and has been here ever since that day. got married here, has four of my grandkids here, is pastoring a great church in the Lumen. Him and Dana are amazing pastor, doing an amazing job. God is a God of forgiveness and restoration. But you're going to have to learn how to walk in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. Because what happens is, when you come to God and you have a path, you're so concerned about fixing your path, you won't walk to your future in Him. And as long as you keep trying to fix your path and not let God do it, you'll never possess the future that He has for you. So bow your heads with me this morning.